Well, Christina, you've taken a little extra time for me today, which I very much appreciate. And, you know, there's nothing that I think... First of all, there's the gold rush in the 1840s, and then there is the summer of love in the 1960s that I think the two things that really define California. You know, one is Northern California. Uh, well, I guess the San Francisco is Northern California. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about here, but I will say communes. <laughs> You're much better at segues than I am. I should just put you in charge of those. Uh, but let's, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about these, these um, communes, cuisine, all of this really comes to a head, uh, you know, not just in the 60s, but I think that's really where it takes off. It does. Before the 60s, though, I'm going to go back a little Let's bit further, back. is um, there's important things that made California such um, a magnet for groups to either form or migrate to. There are there are instances of communes that moved lock, stock and barrel to California right. because of the climate, because of the weather and because it was a frontier and a lot more accepting than, say, back in, you know, Vermont. Well, there were, you know, the East Coast, the old East Coast, less established. Mm -hmm. So um, when you get to post-World War II, really, uh, you've got a lot of disaffected veterans who wow. are also searching and thinking about something new coming from all over the United States uh, to settle in the Los Angeles area or the San Francisco area. And it's already had a history because of the both Japanese and Chinese migration in the 1800s to have Buddhism to have mm -hmm. these religious, actually traditional versions of these religions established already. And so a lot of folks started looking beyond their own experience in mm -hmm. you know, their, the religion they grew up in and started looking at Buddhism and then later at Hinduism. And then uh, started marrying in some of these other ideas, say the vegetarianism from the Seventh-day Adventists. Mm -hmm. And now we get to the 60s and you add the drugs in and yeah. now it really takes off because then <laughs> anyone could be a god everyone mm -hmm. is a god uh, so it really becomes that distillation of some important ideas about spirituality autonomy and individuality and the ideas of like a better way there's got to be a better way it goes back to like that utopian thinking mm -hmm. of there's a better way to live than what we're living how we're living right now yeah you know it's interesting because there's a couple there's periods in American culture that I mean, I'm just really drawn to, you know, we mentioned the uh, the World's Fair in 1893 is one of them. But I think the 60s, 67 to 69. I mean, I think 1969 might be one of the most pivotal years in American history, definitely recent American history. So many things, good and bad, happened in that year, you know? Yeah. It, it, yeah, really. I, I had a writer, um, a book we just published, and he had this fantastic phrase that sticks in my head, that idea, Charles Manson murdered the 60s. Definitely. And, yeah. And that really sticks with me because that is the most extreme negative example of yeah. small communal living and mm -hmm. someone determining themselves to be Christ using all the drugs and, you know, strange food. Um, and that is the, that polar opposite of what the ideal was supposed to be, what people yeah. were really trying to do in California. 
Yeah. Well, and one thing really quickly, uh, you can't be better at segues and better at sticking in seamless self-promotion. So you can't, you got to pick one. You can't be better at me than at, at both of those things, because uh, then you might as well host the show. And then I'll, I don't know. I don't know enough about religion to <laughs> and food to, to do that. Uh, but I don't that, need another job. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, it's a perfect example of that. The, the 60s, it was just such a crazy time. There's so much going on. Right. And all the characters characters in that time period because in your book you're talking about you know uh timothy leary and and richard alpert who were really into lsd which is a synthesized um hallucinogenic and it became really popular but i didn't i didn't know this but in 1963 they were fired because of this critical article that was written about them i think in the local newspaper by an undergraduate assistant and who turned out to be Dr. Andrew Weil, who is, you know, a preeminent, uh, supple, I don't know what you call him, supplement alternative healing kind of guru. I learned about him in college. Uh, but uh, that's a crazy story. It is a crazy story. And I, I love American history writ small. And that's because mm. I, I think we all have a strange connection to each other in that way. And yes. this, then that idea, so Weil could be criticized by very traditional medicine as being, you know, kind of one of those holistic wellness. Mm -hmm. There's different thoughts about supplements and other things. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I'm agnostic on the subject, but he could be criticized just as he criticized um, Albert and Larry. Mm -hmm. So th there's a progression of what is an acceptable idea and why are we against the idea? And mm -hmm. I like that interrogation of the self, the idea of like, if I don't like something, why mm -hmm. do I not like it? And that goes yeah. to that 60s idea. It was acceptable to have people questioning what, how we were going to eat and how we were going to live. And it was tolerated in the society. Yeah. Uh, there was so much turmoil that we were going to allow people to like try to figure it out a bit until taken to the extreme examples. And yes. that's, of course, you know, by the time you, that the 70s roll around, it becomes actually more communes are developing because mm -hmm. people rejected what they what was looked at, at the failure of the movement after the assassination of Dr. King yeah. um, and then the mm -hmm. assassination of RFK. And mm -hmm. people, that's when you actually had more of the communes were the 70s. So the new religious movements in the 60s, communes were in the 70s. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because when, you know, um, as these people coalesce in these little groups, it's where these these the thoughts start to proliferate. And, you know, I, I, there was in California is interesting because you still have a large vegan vegetarian population. All that th that thought, all those thoughts from the 60s are still kind of percolating around. You know, there's actually uh, well, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll, I'll close. With, I got one great tidbit for you, but we'll, we'll, we'll close on that. Um, but you mentioned, you know, there was uh, the farm, Stephen Gaskin. I think this is kind of an interesting story because he was a spiritual leader, created this commune in Tennessee of all places, the middle of the Bible Belt, uh, drug centered. You, you know, they didn't want to say commune because it's too close to communists, but there's no refined sugar. I don't even think they didn't even use honey for no. for sweetening. You know, marijuana was a sacred plant and they became really good at monetizing. And I think with a lot of these thoughts, you know, you have you have the the um, you know, the the philosophy, but also, as you mentioned before, making it lucrative. They're not going to stick around very long if you can't afford to feed and do things right. And I think I don't know. This is at least one of the successful ones. I don't know if it was the first one, but that whole that's a great formula. It it is, and it's it's a pure American formula. Yeah, Only right, in America, right. kids could could that happen? Yeah. And 
after years of failure. And so note that Gaskin started in San Francisco and he did the reverse migration essentially. So he started in San Francisco during 1967, summer of love, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he met Leary, was, again, interconnected, and Mm -hmm. they influenced each other. Um, And then he moved everybody out because that idea of back to the land. And that's where that starts, this idea that we can separate and build it better and build a better society. Gaskin is a really interesting example because he's one of the only kind of who morphed in a different direction. Mm -hmm. Most of these kind of guru, cult leaders, kept a progressive extremism. Mm-hmm. Gaskin actually went the other direction and g- gave up the drugs and, and said, you know what, we're not really with the drugs. We don't need that. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally actually stepped down when the rest of the group asked him to step down saying, hey, you're, you know, you're not really good at this leadership thing anymore. And he was like, you know what, you're right. And he, he essentially self-retired, which yeah. is so rare. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the gurus, especially of that, we're talking about 60s uh, mm-hmm. and then 70s, it, it's all very ego-driven. And so there are these megalomaniacal, I am God. And of course, everything's of Father Yod, you know, mm-hmm. with his Rolls Royce and the women and the harem and a rock and roll sure. band and a restaurant. And yeah. what could be better than that? <laughs> I, I mean, that's the problem, right? Is a lot of these, you know, uh, I'm going to paint with a broad brush here and I'm making these statements, not you. But, you know, when you have, you know, male leaders in those positions of power, it is so it, power corrupts. Right. And the things that you desire, if you can get them, you'll try to get them. And money, women, cars, you know, that's pretty 60s and 70s. I mean, that's kind of like what everyone's after. Right. It's why anyone it's why guys do anything. Let's be real yeah. honest here. It's, um, you know, the old joke, right? With three things motivate mankind, gold, mm-hmm. glory or the gospel. That's and- true. <laughs> Right? And that's, you know, and that's what throughout the, the whole, my whole research and the project. And that's that my fascination is that how we become American. Mm-hmm. It's all these, to me, these subtle forces that have shaped our personal character as Americans, as well mm-hmm. as our country's culture and character as yeah. who we think we are. Yeah. And there's so much flux in that. We're a gorgeous chaos machine, I've said in the past. <laughs> it's because yeah. it's in that chaos that these new ideas bloom or or spectacularly blow up and fail. Yeah, and either one we we have to watch, you know, as Americans. Yeah. Uh, a couple of quick things here because I love the firsts and, you know, uh, the Sander Cats and the Fairy Sanctuary. So these were yeah. LGBTQ plus commun- communes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, in 2003, they wrote a book called Wild Fermentations. And in the book, you say that this was the catalyst for the resurgence in fermented foods, which I think is really true. There's a lot of people that are super into fermented foods. I did an early episode of this podcast with someone who uh, wrote a book on on fermenting. And I didn't even know chocolate was a fermented food, uh, which I was on board immediately. Uh, and the Moosewood Cookbook. I think you say that they were credited with popularizing vegetarianism in the U.S. And that was really um, the uh, the Moosewood Collective. Uh, that yeah. was a, a restaurant, right? A, a hippie restaurant. And those are, I just love those those hallmarks like this, it started here. I don't know if it's true or not, but they're important. It did. I mean, okay. they're important in the, the catalyst of so the Moosewood Collective. They, it was a collective restaurant. They, mm-hmm. The folks and when they started, they all lived together. Right. Uh, the same thing with the Bloodroot Collective. Um, in Connecticut that's still running today. So there's this idea, again, that we can do things differently. And that, that kind of almost anti-capitalist is we're a collective. We're going to share the work and share the benefits of that work. Um, yeah, we don't always like that idea so much today. 
<laughs> no, we don't. Well, and in this uh, thing I did with with Stell, you know, it was a small commune, but it was yeah. I learned about the eighty twenty rule, where you know eighty mm. percent of the people do twenty percent of the work and twenty percent do eighty percent of the work, which is yeah. it's it's a great ratio for for humankind. Uh, you know, and in closing, one of the things that I thought was great is, uh, and what that was surprising to me is how many of these organizations actually do own food manufacturers. You know, you, we mentioned a couple before uh, with Little Debbie's and the Seventh Day Adventists, but the Unification Church owns international seafood which has a corners to market on i think they're in alaska but cod and perch and you know the food or the fish you get up there and then true world food uh which is corners to market on raw fish for sushi so Mm -hmm. uh they you know they got the ocean covered you know they uh, do and as well as we think of like you know sleepy time tea celestial seasonings that those are that's owned by urantians they believe in the book (laughs) of urantia which is more of like kind of a freelance religion there's different people who have built little cults around it but that's more of a freelancer um of course then the infamous uh yogi bajan and the three ho organization with kettle potato chips that's the one that breaks everybody's heart because everybody loves kettle potato chips oh i didn't Um, know that that's not in your book you surprised me with that you can't surprise me on a bonus episode with that uh wait oh. so tell me so what what uh so i can't eat kettle chips is it are they um can, what do they do no well they don't do anything uh but okay. taste delicious but okay. yogi bajan and the 3ho organization it was yeah. he had a number of food companies that established those food companies have now been since his death in 2003 have been yeah. divested um and they're owned by the organization still but under uh, a board of directors and you know the, yogi bajan was proven by their own investigations to be sexually abusive to his followers. Um, (sighs) But it's still a billion dollar corporation under the guise of a religion. And that they're still unraveling in some lawsuits between his actually family and the religious organization about ownership and profit and all of that. I I bring you on the show. I promote your book. You promote all these other books and then you ruin kettle chips for me at the end here. What are you doing to me here? This is this is heartbreaking. I think you can like them. I think you can still can eat you? them. I okay. yeah. I, you know this I better think, than I do. If you if you yeah, say I, so, I agree. Okay. You're okay. Yeah, you you can go to your local co-op and grocery store and get the chips. Okay, well, it's my, it's my turn to break your heart. So in closing okay. here, you know, uh, the vegetarianism, veganism, very popular in Los Angeles and California, you know, uh, very progressive, forward thinking. Uh, however... You know, recently I'm gonna put the article on on the website. There has been a trend for vegetarian and vegan restaurants to move in the other direction and start provide you know start putting meat back on their menu, uh, so as to not so as to capitalize on a market and demographic that they're not getting into. So uh, you know, I think the the in, from the article, one percent identify in the United States identify as vegan, four percent identify as vegetarian, and they want to get some of that sweet sweet meat market, and you don't do it. By not putting meat on your menu. So we're going in the other direction here, Christina. I think where we're going is to a balance. Because remember, it's capitalism too. Sure. You know, you can, th- that's always a tension within all of these uh, spiritual mm-hmm. movements or even ideological movements, is right. you, you still have to pay the rent. Right. The reality, the, the harsh realities of reality come and, yeah. and uh, slap you in the face like cold water from uh, from a deep sleep. Uh, well, this has been eye opening, illuminating. Uh, so thank you so much for this extra time. Oh, thank you. It's always so much fun to talk about cults, communes and all of the food in their history.